Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeOak.com NBA Monday Night Special Show. That's right. I decided to call it that right now. No prior planning, because how do you plan for something we didn't know about until yesterday? I'm Dave Lochran. With me, Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Follow that man. Very sharp fella. Knows his sports, knows football. Oh, and college stuff as well. That's how uh, him and Ben Ross are such good buddies, because, well, they bet the most obscure and strangest and wildest games anyone will ever come across. So get in on it with them. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm Dave Locker and follow me at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D Matt, the silver lining to all of this, the positive COVID tests, people getting a little bit nervous is that we get a double header on Monday night football, only four weeks into the season. I'm pretty stoked about it. Me too. I, I mean, I love showdown but this just adds a whole new wrinkle, completely changes everything we're trying to do. We actually get to fill out full rosters. We need to look at some fringy guys. And you know me at this point, you know I like my my amateur level football, my guys in the weeds. So this is a big night for me, I'm pumped. For sure. Uh, Millie Maker, by the way, on DraftKings, they, they, they're, they're running out of Millie Maker. And you know what's crazy about this, Matt, is the fact that they, um, so, was it a was it a Millie Maker before these two games got put? Was it a Millie Maker when it was just supposed to be Atlanta Green Bay, or was it another like three hundred k up top? Do you know by any chance? I don't know. I think it was a Millie total, but I'm not sure. Right, which is wildly impressive, and it says so much for the state of affairs when it comes to the DFS industry right now that they can just throw a Millie Maker out there on like Saturday night or Sunday morning and probably have it fill up on a two-game slate with no notice. Yeah, it's, I saw Nolan tweet it out, and I saw it mid-Sunday, and I was like, there's no way. Like, I don't even know if they, they're they getting 36 hours heads up on this. So, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm glad that the industry is so healthy that they can fill stuff like this. Just speaks to the long-term growth, and it's fantastic. All right, so let's get into a couple pieces of news first. Jordan Klein's producing today's show, by the way. Uh, just a few updates. Matt, we know that Cam Newton's out. Uh, that it's significant, but here's the good thing. All other tests came back negative. Uh, if you look at Tennessee for the first time, all of their tests have come back negative. And I know that everyone got super concerned. Everybody was very worried that, that we could be in a lot of trouble here. Well, Tennessee thus far has been the only team that's had any bit of an outbreak whatsoever. Uh, maybe other teams have an isolated case, but they've done a good job of, of, of keeping, keeping it, uh, keeping it isolated to, to one player or one personnel. And it looks like Tennessee might actually, not to get too off track here, but looking at the health of the league in general, they might have a chance to play in week five against Buffalo now. Yeah, I, I think they will. I'm kind of confused why, why they wouldn't. I think that's kind of what we made the COVID list for. It seemed like at the start of the season, the NFL was going to use the COVID list. And if you had a marquee player get COVID, they were going to get COVID and you were going to try it out. I don't know who Tennessee's back off the top of my head is Logan Woodside. It just assuming Ryan Tannehill had it or something like that. So I don't think we'll see a ton of canceled games. I think we will see people like Cam Newton, just go on COVID lists and you're going to play with your backups. If that's the situation that occurs as far as the league wide stuff, I think it's, it's pretty good. We kind of have the blueprint from college football. There are going to be outbreaks this year. And I think 
the NFL handled it well so far. I saw maybe they add in like a, a week 18 if necessary, but they've done a good job. I hope they continue to do so and we don't see a ton of canceled games. All right. So outside of that, we're in good shape. They're, they're, everyone's flying out there. We're going to have football tonight. We're going to have two games. Uh, one more thing just based on yesterday. Uh, I was looking at the scores. The average score, the average total in yesterday's games was 54 points. The average score. You're just going to continue to see these totals, these scores cruising above the number. Uh, I was also looking at how many games went over or under. This was before the uh, Sunday night game. I think of the 12 games that had been played, or sorry, 11 games that had been played from Thursday up through Sunday afternoon, uh, uh, nine of 11 either pushed or went over. It just, it, it gives you a very good idea of, of what type of scoring we've seen thus far. It's pretty ridiculous. And that was with eight games coming into, well, seven games with the, the Kansas City game getting moved to tonight. So seven games were totaled at 50 points or higher. And now you're saying 11 of those crews over that total? Nine. The, so we had 11 games because then yesterday was 12, 13, 14. What, two teams are out. So no, okay, it would have been 12 teams uh, and 10 of 12, I believe, either pushed or went over. Are we going to start seeing like big 12 totals in the NFL? I don't. I don't know. It's funny. I was looking at college football totals today for this upcoming week, and they're like 68 and 70. I don't think we get there, but I definitely think we're going to see many games uh, being being put around 60 points, 61 points this year. There's no question. Like if you have Seattle and Kansas City, or you know, or if you if you had a let's say Seattle and Dallas played in the same division and they played each other again in week seven, how could you possibly put that total under 60? You absolutely couldn't. I actually have a question about how this relates to DFS for you, just not, not to get too off topic, but so this didn't work this week. I kind of thought as we see more and more games go above the, the 50 total threshold, maybe we wouldn't see as many double stacks and runbacks maybe in the same game, just because there's some opportunity costs like, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are a great example. They both can't all catch the same touchdown. So when you have like seven games totaled above 50, there's probably going to be some other wide receivers that outscore one of those two. So I was curious what your thoughts are on like the overall DFS ecosystem. If you think like double stacks are going to continue to be viable. I know that Cleveland game there was, but that game also went to like nearly a hundred points. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's, I was thinking the same thing when I was building a, when I was crunching the other day, or yesterday, I couldn't help but think, should I be doing something differently? Uh, you're right. You you can't – one player can't – or two players can't score the same touchdown. But at the same time, like if we're getting games that are scoring 75 total points, there is going to be enough to go around for everyone. So it's not necessarily changing my opinion on it. I will say this much too. We've had a lot of games this year where we've seen monster totals and then just no-namers, creative players getting touchdowns. That normally isn't going to be the case. So um, not changing a whole lot up, but it's definitely something you have to, you have to. I don't want to say adjust, but we have to be cognizant of, of how the game is changing. There was a, a stat someone threw out there on Twitter that holding pen, offensive holding penalties have been way down. That's creating more points. So there's a lot going on that, that's contributing to this. Uh, let's jump into tonight's games. We've got two of them on the docket. Very excited for this. New England, Kansas City, Atlanta, Green Bay. We'll kick it off with the Patriots and the Chiefs. Matt, I hammered the Chiefs at uh, minus six and a half, and DraftKings voided it. They voided it. I, 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 was, I was quick enough to get in there right after that Adam Schefter tweet. I said, all right, let me, let me, let me go heavy on this one. They void it. And then they open it back up at 10 and a half. I'm still not necessarily opposed to that, but it's certainly not as juicy as it was. 49 and a half point total here at Arrowhead Stadium. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs, for the most part, looking pretty healthy from an uh, offensive skill player standpoint, at least. On the other side, though, and we'll start here, the New England Patriots will be without Cam Newton, who tested positive for COVID-19. They will not be starting Jared Stidham. It will be Brian Hoyer. And they're also without Sonny Michelle. So the two highest target or the two highest uh, rushing attempt players on this team are Cam Newton with 35 attempts and Sonny Michelle with 26 attempts. 
after that, you're getting down to uh, Rex Burkhead again. I don't know if they're 10-point underdogs, so I'm guessing the the Cam Newton departure, the Sonny Michelle departure, doesn't have a huge effect tonight. I anticipate they'll be passing the ball a ton. But you mentioned it, pulling Sonny Michelle out of this backfield is going to mean something. And Rex Burkhead, he hasn't carried a ton. They've actually been using him as kind of a pass down back in James White's absence. But he does have 19 carries on the year. I anticipate if New England gets out to an early lead or if they end up in the red zone, Burkhead's probably the guy they use in that Sony Michelle role. And I mean, Brian Hoyer, he's just not going to run at all. He's like your pure statue in the pocket. He's not going to give you anything in that phase of the game. No, he's not. And with James White expected to return, that kind of throws a wrench into the works. If, if James White wasn't returning, so uh, Rex Burkhead would be one of the best plays on this slate, hands down, because you know that he's going to be involved, uh, and you know that with somebody like Brian Hoyer needing some someone or something to lean on, uh, Rex Burkhead certainly would have been that guy. But yeah, Br- Brian Hoyer in uh, he's attempted set fourteen hundred and seventy eight passes for his career, just to give you an idea, because it's a, such a scattered uh, stat list because he's only started certain games. He was a bench player. He started a couple here or there. Uh, But overall, he's played 69 games. He has 103 total rushing attempts, just to kind of add on to what you're saying about the fact that he will not be rushing or using his legs. What what are we doing with someone like, and we'll we'll get deeper into this game, but what are we doing with somebody like, uh, like James White had that tragic situation happen with his parents in that crash. He missed two weeks. Uh, he will be rejoining them, though. He came back to practice on Wednesday, uh, and, and and everything suggests that he'll be on the field tonight. This is their go-to pass catcher out of the backfield and has been for many years. Does he get worked right back into the mix here? And should we be looking at James White at 4,700 as a good play, assuming they're pl- – I don't want to assume they're playing from behind, but my guess is he's going to be involved – to some extent anyway. Yeah, we he's been heavily involved even when they aren't playing from behind. They use him more as an extension of the run game with those little throws. But as long as his conditioning is not an issue from the two weeks off, it's not like he's new to the offense. So he shouldn't have to deal with any, I don't know, lumps in play calling. He should know the playbook very well. So he should slide right back in. And in negative game script, he's going to be the guy. I mean, he's someone over... The last two years alone, he has 87 and 72 catches. That's just a ton of work in the past game. Normally, I don't think you'd consider a guy like James White, but just two games slate. I think he's clearly an inferior option to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Aaron Jones, but he's much, much cheaper. So depending on your roster construction, I think James White could fit in nicely. What are your thoughts on the pass catchers here? And, and feel free to weave in the Brian Hoyer debate because, well, he he is in a spot where – they're they're light as you already pointed out. They're they're likely going to have to to throw quite a bit. I mean, listen, it it's it's pretty ugly. Okay, this is this is a guy who has actually at times been a decent fantasy producer, but that's gen, generally speaking, this is not somebody that you're trying to uh, to to lean heavily on. So. If, if if Brian Hoyer is throwing the ball to Julian Edelman, who logged limited practices all week, he's expected to play. We know Bilicek always does that. Uh, Akil Harry, who is priced at $3,900, his usage has been all over the place. Very, very uh, unpredictable. And then Demir Bird being another example of someone who was targeted zero times in week one, nine in week two, and then three times in week three in a game that they really didn't need to lean on the pass. It's an ugly situation, an ugly setup for this passing game for the Patriots. It is for sure. Hoyer, he leaves a lot to be desired. He averages in his career 5.7 yards per attempt with a 53.8 completion percentage. That is horrific. It would be at or near the bottom of the league almost every single year since he's entered the league. And, I mean, Jared Siddham's not much better. Can you Do you remember that game last year where the Patriots, I can't remember who they were blowing out, but they insert Jarrett Siddham into the offense. He promptly throws a pick six, and then they put Tom Brady back on the field. They were so worried about Jarrett Siddham. I mean, the, quarter, the quarterback situation is rough. I don't think I've ever seen a blowout situation occur. Guy throws a pick six, and they bring the starter back into play. <laughs> who was, Who are they facing? Do you remember? No, I don't remember off the top of my head. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't remember who it was that they were facing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I absolutely remember that. Um I think it was two years ago. 
two years ago? Because he was on the Patriots in 2018. Yeah, oh, man. and then last year he was on, I think he was on the Colts last year. Yeah, he's on the Colts. But either way, look, look, here's the thing. How often do you think he's going to be forced to throw? There, there are no player props, unfortunately, for Brian Hoyer yet. We might get some later in the day to keep an eye on that. Uh, we don't have really a ton to work off of right now. But uh, ultimately, how how involved do you think he is? Because interceptions are only minus one point, right? Uh, if he threw three picks, that's not the end of your day if he's actually moving the ball downfield. The question is, will the volume be there? And more than that, will he be able to actually manufacture some offense uh, in, in this Patriots or in, in Cam Newton's stead? This should be an up-tempo game. The Chiefs are fast. They're running the seventh most plays in the NFL. And now Brian Hoyer's insertion into the offense will limit New England a little bit. They were already 12th in plays per game, but if you look at situ situation neutral, so when they're not just absolutely slaughtering opponents, they're near the top of the league in plays per game. I think Hoyer does slow them down a little bit, but we're still looking at two fast teams overall. And if we think that this, this line that bookmakers have made is correct and the Chiefs do win this game by 10 points, you assume Brian Hart is going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw the ball in this game. So I don't know. I would put maybe if we're doing a prop on pass attempts, they're not available right now. I'd probably say somewhere around 30 for him, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird. Uh, are, are, there, are, are there any spots here that you are willing to look at on a two-game slate? And mind you, Atlanta Green Bay has a total – that just pushed above 56 and a half. It's sitting at 57 right now. Uh, this one's at 49 and a half, but still a, a decent overall number with a lot of that going to the, to the, um, to the Kansas city chiefs with a 30 point implied total. The Patriots total is 19.5 right now. So it's sitting below 20, but um, you know, as you just pointed out, they're gonna, they're very likely going to have to throw. I don't want to try and predict this and, and have it turn out the way Arizona and Carolina did where Carolina's playing with the lead. But it's, I have a very tough time envisioning that scenario being the case. So let's do this before we move on to the chiefs. What are you doing for new England? Um, who are you willing to have exposure to and who do you want nothing to do with? I think you do want to take some of these guys. And I don't think it's because you're very confident in their overall projection or you think these guys are going to break the slate or anything. But a guy like Nikhil Harry at 3,900 on DraftKings specifically, he opens the salary to roster like four or five of those Atlanta Green Bay players and the expensive ones too that you definitely want in your lineup. And Nikhil Harry, a guy that has a 25% target share, you mentioned how volatile it actually is. It's six targets, 12 targets, and four targets. Yep. Some of that being because they were slaughtering their opponents. But Nikhil Harry is 3,900. What does he really have to do in order to pay off that salary while you already have, you know, uh, Devon, not Devontae Adams anymore, but you have like a, a Julio Jones and a Tyreek Hill in your lineup too. So he's kind of the a ticket that could get you there. Julian Edelman at 5,300, I don't hate his price. He has a 27% target here. He hasn't seen any fewer than six targets in a game this year. And we know he's going to be involved no matter what. Tamir Bird, if you remember like back to Chris Hogan's days in New England, Tamir Bird reminds me of that. People were making jokes, Chris Hogan just out there doing wind sprints. <laughs> that seems to be what Demir Bird's doing too. He actually has run the most routes of any of these receivers, but he only has 12 targets on the year. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something crazy right now. Okay, so of the last 13 games that Brian Hoyer has attempted at least 25 passes, right? Like I said, there's a ton of games in there where he comes in for a couple snaps, right? Maybe throws a few balls. He has seven 300-yard games, Seven 300-yard like games in the last 13 that he's thrown at least 25 passes. He's live, man. That's crazy, though, right? Like, no, nobody's arguing that Brian Hoyer is a particularly good quarterback, right? Uh, but he, he can move the ball. All I'm saying is don't completely sleep on this guy and assume that he can't create some offense plus. You have to have some respect and some faith in the New England offensive system to figure out ways to, to get this ball downfield and to push it into the end zone. So uh, just throwing it out there, man. Brian Hoyer can rack up the yards. He can absolutely rack up yards. Uh, it's a matter of, of, of whether or not his receivers can help him. Can he stay upright? Remember, this is a, a Patriots team that is you know, really always 
pride or always had pride in, in their ability to pass block. That's why Tom Brady in the pocket very rarely got touched. If they can keep Brian Hoyer upright, I think there's a real shot that that he could be in some winning lineups today, as crazy as that sounds. Because if you have Brian Hoyer in lineups, you can pretty much do anything else you want. Uh, what about the Kansas City side laying 10 and a half points at home? Again, 49 and a half point total. We'll give our picks on these games uh, afterwards. I'll have to redeem myself from last week. I got my game. I got the games right. right? I got the sides, the spreads right for the most part. I had a, I had a rough week with the player props. I'd go, I've been running way too hot through the first three weeks. Came crashing down yesterday, Matt, but that's all right. We redeem ourselves tonight. Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They've got a stable of elite pass catchers and running backs. I don't know if I want to put Sammy Watkins in the conversation, but you get the point. Going up against the New England team that has shown some holes defensively this season. I th- Well, okay, first of all, what is Clyde Edwards Slayer doing at 6,200? It doesn't make any sense. This guy, every single week, last week he was, actually, this week he was 6,400 before the game got moved, and now he's 6,200 going into this. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I, I think, I honestly think, like, a lot of people's prices dropped. Tyreek Hill's dropped. Kelsey's dropped. I think that's just, you know, the two-game slate. If a lot of casuals are playing, like, the Millie or something, I think it's a lot better being able to jam in, like, Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards later than being forced to play like Demarcus Robinson. So I think that's part of the reason, but I mean, still like he was egregiously priced on the main slate at 6,400. I was about to lock him and now he's cheaper. Yeah, I know. How do you, how do you not look at Clyde Edwards Hilaire here and assume he's the best play on the slate or assume he's not the best play on the slate. It's, it's very difficult for me to see this in any other way. Like what, what would, what would the knocks be on him? First of all, at 7,500 on this slate, I would probably still have significant interest in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But now you're looking at this one where the New England Patriots uh, on Pro Football Focus rank 25th in run defense. They've struggled there. We already know that coming into the year, that was going to be an area of weakness, and they'd need to be buoyed by that that, uh, secondary I think Kansas city is likely going to have a pretty easy time running the football on them. And if not, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be involved in the passing game as well. 6,200 just seems like the most egregious price we've seen all season. I think it is too. And it's not like he's splitting time. People were worried about Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson to start the year. He's now carried on 75% of Kansas city's run plays overall. That's, you know, like factoring in them, killing a couple opponents too. Darrell Williams, being in somewhat of a timeshare to begin the year. He's an absolute monster. He's running around on 62% of dropbacks. He's in heavily involved in the pass game, which he was in college too. He had that kind of two target fluky game to start the year. But since then, the last two weeks, eight targets and six targets. The guy is sixth in overall opportunities per game in the NFL. He's an absolute monster and he's the best play on the slate. He is. I don't see any two ways around that, honestly. Uh, the New England Patriots are going to struggle. They're allowing 4.6 yards per attempt this season. Uh, these are all spots that I personally am, am, am very much willing to attack. In the passing game, you've got Patrick Mahomes, who, for by the way, for some reason, DraftKings has a prop, and I don't even, I don't, I don't know, I don't even understand the point of this. But I was looking at it the other night. DraftKings has a prop on um, on Patrick Mahomes that is. Let me find this. Let me find this. It's over a half a touchdown. Yeah, over a half a touchdown at minus 1,000. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to jump on the under there, Matt, and we just get all Clyde and Edwards Hilaire rushing touchdowns. I guess anything's possible. But very rarely do you see something like that where they just throw in a random, okay, over a half touchdown, throw it at minus 1,000. Maybe some people will bite. Uh, what do you make of Mahomes in the passing attack? Uh, the Mahomes passing attack, I mean, we just saw them destroy the Baltimore Ravens secondary, which I think is probably better than New England secondary at this point. I don't know. Dwayne Haskins completed like 100% of his passes for 300-plus yards. I was shocked by that yesterday. Yeah, maybe this Baltimore secondary is not what we think. I don't know. I still I don't leaning. know either. I'm confused. Yeah, me too. It's kind of, I felt that way about the Saints secondary too, but that's not our topic today. 
Um, e- either way, I think we know Patrick Mahomes against the best secondaries. Let's even if we want to consider Baltimore, I don't know, a middle of the pack secondary at this point. New England's not what what they were either. They're if you look to yards allowed per pass attempt for New England, they're allowing 7.8 yards per pass attempt so far this year. And I don't know, some of that is I don't know if you saw the the Russell Wilson throw over Stefan Gilmore to DK Metcalf. It was a thing of beauty. So some of that is just Russell Wilson being an absolute magician, but Patrick Mahomes can certainly do it here too. So pro football focus has Jonathan Jones shadowing Tyree kill Stefan Gilmore shadowing Sammy Watkins. Do you think that's what, do you think that's what it's going to look like today? They, they faced Tyree kill in the past and uh, two times I know, Tyreek Hill absolutely flamed them. They bracketed him last time after he destroyed them the first two times. I imagine that would be the game plan. I don't That's think what I thought too. And if that is the game plan, first okay. of all, I, I, I'd still be willing to get some Tyreek Hill. Just to throw that out there. He's a slate breaker. He can take the top off any defense. No matter what they're trying to throw at him, Tyreek Hill can have explosive games. Not to mention, you can throw it to him in the flat. You can set him up on a bubble screen and still have him go 80 yards to the house. Many different ways for him to create and to give you huge, uh, huge numbers. But uh, somebody like Travis Kelsey then becomes uniquely set up to put up huge numbers. First of all, the linebacker, the linebacking core, if if, if one of those guys is going to be in coverage, that could be a very difficult spot against Travis Kelsey. But more than anything, if they're doing everything, they always say, oh, Bill Belichick takes away the best player. Well, who's the best player? Like, you want to take away Tyree Kill and get burned by Kelsey? Uh, I guess that would be the play because it's better to, to, to get you know death by a thousand paper cuts in terms of Travis Kelsey and Mahomes leading them down the field than to just in one shot cough up an 80-yard touchdown. Right. But yeah, you know, the methodical drive. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The deep ball. But I, I don't know how they can. They don't have the personnel. They're not equipped. No team is equipped to, to close this team down entirely is what I'm saying, Matt. They're definitely not. And I mean, they use Tyreek Hill a lot in motion before the snap. That's a way to break bracket coverage, too. And they've done that with him in the past. As far as, I mean, picking between Kelsey and Tyree Kill, you can certainly play them both if you're stacking the Chiefs side. But I think Kelsey offers you a little bit more just given positional scarcity at the tight end spot. There isn't a tight end on this two-game slate that has anywhere near the upside as Kelsey. So that's my lean initially. But again, I we're nitpicking here. It's hard to decide between these two. All right, let's do this then. We already closed out the Patriots. Who are your top plays outside of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the Kansas City Chiefs? We already know it's we already know it's it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But uh, as far as Mahomes and Kelsey and um, and 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 uh, Tyree Kilgo, and if you want to talk about some of these like tertiary options in in God Robinson uh, and and anybody else that might get looks that let me call Hardman. It's really hard to say what those guys will do, but one thing we know is that they can win tournaments because you might just get a deep ball, as we saw that 49-yard deep ball against Baltimore to Hardman, ended up with four for 81 and a score. There's so many different ways they can manufacture points. Yeah, for sure. I I think I prefer Kelsey to Tyreek Hill slightly. It's because of the positional scarcity thing. If you don't play Kelsey, you have to play Hurst or, or Tanya. God forbid you play Izzo for the Patriots. Otherwise, the tertiary options, I mean, these two guys... Marcus Robinson and Michael Hardman seem to be trending in opposite directions. Demarcus Robinson is still pacing, I guess, just these two in overall routes on Mahomes dropbacks. But if you look at their targets, Demarcus Robinson has dropped from six to four to one. Michael Hardman has risen from one to three to six. So it just appears Michael Hardman is slowly getting more involved in this offense, which frankly he should be. Demarcus Robinson's been kind of egregious to start the year. I'm okay taking a flyer on either of them. They're both cheap. Week one, Demarcus Robinson had that deep touchdown in the first quarter that got called back, and you haven't heard from him since. 
You want to move on to game two? Let's do it. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet, guys. I forgot to mention it uh, at the beginning of the show, but we're happy to have all of you guys with us. That's usually the uh, ceremonial, hey, welcome. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I forgot. I don't know. It's Monday morning. Even I screw up, huh? But anyway, hit that thumbs up. Hit the notification bell, too, and subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Uh, you always know when new content is dropping next when you do so. And you know what? If you don't like it, we'll gladly refund your misery. All you have to do is click unsubscribe, unnotify if you don't want to be involved. But we'd love to have you here with us. And by the way, we're doing a, a monster giveaway today with uh, Monday Night Football. If you haven't seen it yet, go to the pin tweet at awesomeo underscore com on Twitter, A-W-E-S-E-M-O underscore com. Enter the Monday Night Football giveaway. So here's what it is. Just follow the directions on the graphic. Predict who will have more passing yards between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. You get a chance to win a free year of Awesome Plus NFL. All of our NFL content, everything included. Alex Baker's top, uh, top stacks tool, which is amazing. His player projections, his ownership projections, the lineup builder, all of our premium articles that these guys spend so much time on. Uh, and you can grab the Fantasy Cruncher add-on as well. We're giving away a free year of Awesome NFL Plus. So we'd love to have you guys check that out. We'd love to see a winner in this uh, because, you know, we enjoy giving stuff away and giving you guys a look at what we are so proud of here at Awesome. So go to that uh, Awesome account. Check it out. And by the way, while you're at it, follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, myself at Lafay underscore D. If you haven't been to awesomeo.com yet, go to awesomeo.com slash join, right? Maybe you're just not lucky. Maybe you never win giveaways and you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just not going to do it. But I want to, I want this awesomeo content. Well, like I said, the number one ranked DFS player in the world created all of these tools. These are the same tools he uses, not just his name on him. He uses these to win millions of dollars, which he's verifiably done. And we've had a lot of big winners at Awesomeo as well. Matter of fact, we just got a tweet yesterday. Dude hit big on Sunday uh, on, on Sunday's week four slate using the Awesomeo projections and the Awesomeo tools. We get those tweets all the time. You can check out our Hall of Fame page on Twitter. Point is, We've got passes for $3.95 a week, the Express Pass. $3.95 a week, you can get everything for the showdown slate as well. We included, we added that. All the showdown projections, ownership, top plays, rankings for $3.94, less than $4 a week. Or you can just go balls out, get football, get basketball, baseball, PGA, NASCAR, UFC, all in one with the Awesome Plus Platinum. You can get that weekly if you want to check it out, monthly annual, whatever you want, go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check that out today. And be sure to join our premium Slack chat when you do. Everyone in there, a couple thousand people talking DFS, sports betting uh, all day long. It's a great community. And if you love this stuff as much as we do, I think you'll like it. We'll see you over there. All right. Now that we got past that, Matt, let's get into it, man. We've got Devontae Adams in this matchup between Atlanta and Green Bay, where the Packers are laying six and a half points. 57 point total monster total uh, Devonte Adams is out and he wasn't particularly happy about this as he stated on Twitter. Oh, he deleted it. He deleted the tweet. Oh, just search it. Someone screenshotted that. They had to have, but you know, I had it all set up and everything ready to rock and now it's gone. He, uh, anyway, he basically said, let me see if it's still up on my phone here. He basically said that, he um, he basically said that his medical team knows his body better than he does. Here we go. Sorry, friends and fans. I won't be on the field tonight. I've done everything I need to do and proved I'm ready, but I guess I don't know my body as well as others. Good luck out there, my boys. There you have it, Matt. So no Devontae Adams today. He doesn't seem happy. No, he, he doesn't. I don't know if this is a shot at Shafty Rappaport tweeting things in the middle of the night saying he's expected to play or, or what it is. Maybe it's just the coaching staff in the NFL trying to get him out there despite him clearly not being fully healthy. I don't know what it is, but we also lost Lazard. No, so he's, this, no, no, no. He's saying his medical staff isn't – he's saying he feels good and he wants to play. Oh, they're holding him out? Yeah, listen. I've done everything I need to do and proved I'm ready, but I guess I don't know my body as well as others. He's blaming the, the organization and the medical staff for saying you're not ready when he's saying I'm good to go. Ugh. Man, that's why he deleted it. That's a really tough situation. I mean, think about being a player. Uh, obviously, 
you want to get out there and play for your guys, but I don't know, man. That's a really tough situation. Yeah. So here we are. No Devontae Adams. Uh, I think it's worth taking a look. Let's just let's just start off with the Green Bay side since we are, even though they're the home team, uh, since we kind of already got into this. Last week, Devontae Adams did not play. Marcos Veldez-Scantling played 92% of the snaps. Alan Lazard played 95% of the snaps. Very good game. Darius Shepard played 37% of the games. Now, here's the thing, Matt. Those were the only three wide receivers, unless I'm seeing this wrong, that got any snaps. Robert Tanyan played 63%. Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger played 32% of snaps, respectively. Uh, there were not a lot of wide receivers worked into the mix at all, which kind of make things a little bit easier to figure out outside of the fact that Lazard had eight targets, Valdez Scantling had four, and Shepard had one. There were only 13 total targets between all of these wide receivers on a day that uh, on a day that Aaron Rodgers threw the football 32 times. Yeah, so I dug into this. I figured it out, actually. They used Tyler, Tyler Irving as a wide receiver, but he's that listed as sense. a runner. I was wondering why he was on the field. That makes sense. So if you look at just like their ancillary stats, you're like, wow, Green Bay ran two running backs on the field 34% of the time. And they did, technically. And then I dug into Tyler Irving's snaps. He played 23 snaps on offense. 22 of them were in the slaughter out wide. So they were still using a lot of 11 personnel, but it's just they had a running back technically playing in the slot and out wide, and it wasn't Aaron Jones. It was Tyler Irving, who's basically now – he's the Ty Montgomery thing. He's switching positions, but, I mean, like I don't think we can use him. He only had one one target on those, those offensive snaps. Yeah, I'm not particularly interested in that either. Uh, I do think Lazard with Devontae Adams out has clearly become Rogers' go-to guy. You know, Veda Scantling is, is going to get worked in for sure. But now you've got uh now you've got Alan Lazard out. So so what what do you what do you do in a spot like this where you've got Lazard who came into last week with a monster game, right? Six for 146 and a score. Huge performance from Lazard. He looked fantastic. He's expected to be out for a month now. So here's what we're looking at. No Devontae Adams, uh, no Alan Lazard. Even um, Equinemius St. Brown is out. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you got it, man. Got I, it right? I, he went to Notre Dame, so I actually knew I figured that. you. Well, I figured you would know because you're a college guy. But he's out too. So what do we have here? Like DraftKings literally only has three healthy guys listed. Darius Shepard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Malik Taylor. They, that's the only players they have in the actual player pool. Yeah, so, so he, I think Valdez Scantling is going to be the clear wide receiver one. I think you'll see a lot of Darius Shepard. He's probably going to mix in some time with Tyler Irving, and those will probably be your top three receivers. But they'll probably mix in some other personnel packages. They ran 12 personnel, so two tight ends on the field, about 35% of the time last week. Now, another wrinkle came into this. Mercedes Lewis is out, and Mercedes Lewis isn't a name a lot of you are probably looking to for DFS ever. He's mainly a blocker, but he does run some routes. That's probably going to open up even more Robert Tanyan, who ran a route on about 50%, 59% to be exact, of Rogers' dropbacks at the five targets. He'll be out there more. But you could also see some more Jay Sternberger, who also ran around on 25%. Now we're just removing so many targets from other positions, including Mercedes Lewis, who, uh, again, his role is not huge, but it does mean something. I think that's kind of what will happen. Mercedes Lewis is the only first-round draft pick that Rodgers has ever thrown a touchdown to. How about that? That's wild. It's crazy, right? All right, so you're you're going up against an Atlanta defense. By the way, uh, the Packers have been playing at the slowest pace in the entire league. Uh, seconds per snap, they rank 32nd with almost 31 seconds per snap uh, or per play. Atlanta, meanwhile, is second in the league, second fastest, excuse me, with 23.8 seconds per play. So uh, a bit of a disparity here, still a big total. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Rodgers is going to have to make things happen with not a lot, but – we all look at the passing game. We look at how bad Atlanta's been. You have to think that Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, Aaron Jones, uh, continues to see heavy involvement. Now, he's only seeing 61% of the team's running back rushing attempts, but that's easily overshadowed by the fact that he's seen 16, 18, and 16 attempts, and he's been targeted an average of, I think, six times, yeah, an average of six times per game this season. 
very high usage, heavily involved. He's got 22 or 20 plus looks in every single game. I can only imagine that we see quite a bit more of that today and what's projected to be a high scoring game. I'm personally willing to pay the price for Aaron Jones, even at higher ownership. I just think this is a, a, a very, very solid spot just all, all around for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I really don't have much else to add. I'm really excited about his past game usage today as well. They have used him out of the slot before, just not really much this year. He only did it a couple snaps so far. But you mentioned it. He's going to be targeted out of the backfield heavily. I think you could see, you know, like an Alvin Kamara light workload. If I want to liken this to another situation where they lost their number one receiver, we saw Alvin Kamara get targeted out of the backfield heavily, heavily without Michael Thomas. So I, I agree with you. I love Aaron Jones. Top options from Green Bay? Other than Jones, we're both on him. We're both on Clyde Edwards, Larry Kansas City. Uh, I would say right now, those are two of our top plays for sure. Valdez Gantling's $4,900. What would your hierarchy of, of preference be here outside of Jones for the Green Bay Packers? It would be Marquez Valdez Gantling first, Robert Tanyan second. And from there, you're really just throwing darts. Like Tyler Irving, again, He's listed as a running back, so you're probably not going to play him unless it's in the flex for whatever reason. But he played 23 offensive snaps. You have Darius Shepard, who's the minimum price. I would probably look to him just, you know, he's going to be one whole K cheaper than Darius or than Tyler Irving. And he was out there on 37% of Rogers dropbacks prior to these injuries. So he's going to be out there at least to some capacity, whether he's a full-time player or not, I'm not sure. But he's the min price. So he's he's worth a flyer in that situation. I agree. The only thing I'll say, though, is if you start making lineups on DraftKings, right, you can, there's a, you're not going to have a ton of, of limitations. You really aren't. There, there's a lot you can do because of Edwards Hilaire Price. If you wanted to run some Hoyer out there, that's going to open everything up. Uh, all of the pass catchers for New England are dirt cheap. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how cheap I need to go would be the point, but you're right. If you're dart, if you're throwing darts, the, the reason actually I would side with you on this is because of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers in the current form that he's in through the first three weeks of the season, he can make pretty much anyone look good. I believe that. I think I think he can turn anyone right now into a viable fantasy receiver for at least a day. And that's all we need. All right, you want to close this out with the Falcons? Yeah, let's do it, man. Exciting team. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, they're just god awful in the fourth quarter, but they're certainly fun to talk about. So uh, Atlanta getting six and a half points here. It was seven until this morning. We we expect we expect Ridley and Julio Jones to play. Uh, I believe they've actually already been confirmed in. Uh, they're sixty nine hundred and six thousand respectively. This is again what I mean, Matt. These everybody's dirt cheap on this slate. Yeah, I honestly think it's so when casual players make lineups, they know everybody. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, why else are they doing this? I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. Like, that, it, it doesn't make any sense what, what's going on with these price points. But let's jump into it with the passing game here. Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst. Uh, what's your approach with the Falcons? I actually like Julio Jones a little bit as a price-adjusted play. He missed last week, of course, and then he was very banged up in that week two game. So his target share has suffered because of it. Still, Julio Jones being almost 1K cheaper than Calvin Ridley, I don't think there's that much separation between these guys. I know Calvin Ridley's a monster. He's a near 28% target share in an Atlanta offense. And you mentioned how fast they're playing. That that 28% target share is worth a lot because of how many plays they're getting off. Then you consider they're constantly trailing, so most of them are coming in the form of pass attempts. Ridley hasn't seen fewer than 10 targets in a game so far this year. Only concern with that is a healthy Julio coming back. I mean, it's conceivable they both approach 10 targets plus. I'll give you an insane stat, by the way. All right, let's hear it. uh, Air yards. Calvin Ridley leads the league by almost 200, okay? (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is where it gets good. That is including everyone who has played four weeks. So three weeks of Calvin Ridley leads everyone else that's played four games by almost 200 air yards. 
That is absurd. That's so nuts. 559 air yards through three weeks. Uh, it's nuts. AJ Green and Metcalf are second and third, respectively, at 373 and 372. They've both played four games already. So just if you're if you're wondering what capacity we've seen Calvin Ridley used in this offense, look no further, friends. There's your answer. Uh, yeah, I, I I will continue to go back to him, and I'll do that happily. I'll continue to go back to Julio Jones. Now I, I know that the Packers' one real weakness defensively is going to be their run game. But Matt Ryan is is and these two receivers are as talented as you could possibly get. Uh, so at these prices, just count me in. There's no reason you should be worried at, at 6K and 6,900. It's just way too good a value on both spots. Um, anybody else in the passing game? And we can talk about Todd Gurley and wrap this up with some player props. Yeah, I'm still interested in Gage. He got a concussion last week, but he practiced in full, so he'll be out there. In the two healthy games, he's played 12 targets, nine targets, and 4,500. That's incredible workload for a guy that's just that cheap. He probably has the highest target projection out of anyone down there, including like your Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry, technically the wide receiver two. Gage is the wide receiver three, but I still think the targets will be there for Gage. This matchup could be softened a little bit. Jair Alexander, the Packers' number one corner, is questionable. He didn't practice at all last week. I think he's looking real dicey for this game tonight, and Kevin King's all right, but he's Jair's their number one. Not to mention, my God, did you see the injuries on Atlanta's secondary tonight? Yeah, it's it's outrageous. It's horrific. It is, and they they just continuously dealt with injuries. Uh, it's not getting any better at all. We don't even have to go over all of them, but uh, for anybody wondering, this secondary is so beat. Now, granted, the pass catch, the wide receiving core for Green Bay is also tuned up, so it's you know, it's just going to be a battle of, of bad, but uh, I think Aaron Rodgers wins out in that respect. I also feel like this game goes over 50. I know 57 is a lot, Pat, but is there, is there a way that, you know, defense rules the roost here and Green Bay shuts down Atlanta? Because I just don't, it's hard for me to envision a way in which the Atlanta defense shuts down Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Aaron Jones. I don't see it happening. I agree with you. That's so tough to see. Uh, okay. Matt Ryan, by the way, once again, crazy price point, 6,200. So it just opens everything up. Brian Hoyer, 5K. Patrick Mahomes is expensive. I, I honestly probably get away from Patrick Mahomes more than I don't because with Matt Ryan, I think just based on volume alone, Matt, correct me or feel free to disagree with me because this isn't to say that Mahomes isn't a good play. He's always a good play. But Matt Ryan at $6,200, somebody that we know is going to go out there and very likely chuck it 38 to 45 times. At that price point, I think there's still a good amount of meat left on the bone. 100%. Matt, Matt Ryan at this price is incredibly cheap. This game is a 57-point total. I know. Atlanta is, you you said it earlier, how many plays they're, they're running per game, they're, or whatever it was, uh, seconds per, per yeah, snap. Yeah, 23.8 seconds per play, second most in the league, second fast in the league behind, of course, the fucking Cowboys. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The only, so I built a lineup just now trying to figure out, you're mentioning, you know, we, we don't have to flirt with salary at all. I think the question is, like, to be contrarian, like, what are you going to do? I just built a lineup that's, Matt Ryan, Aaron Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Calvin Ridley, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, the Packers defense, and I'm still not even at the min price for my last flex option. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. So, like from a game theory perspective, are you just going to like punt one of these guys to, to get a unique? And the Millie Maker especially, like these, these expensive players are all going to be extremely owned. Like what do we do with this? I don't know. It, it opens everything up. I had one with, yeah, Matt Ryan, Edwards-Hilaire, Aaron Jones, Nikhil Harry, Julio Jones, Valdez Scantling, Travis Kelsey, and I just threw Packers defense. I still have 6,200 remaining for my flex player. So it's it's out of control. Uh, last one here. What are you doing with Todd Gurley? All right. Sorry for getting us off track there. No, I was you're just good. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a worthwhile discussion. It was Happy unbelievable to, to me. Anyway, Todd Gurley, he's a player that seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Last week, he only out-touched Brian Hill as far as strict carries go. 14 to nine and Brian Hill was pretty efficient on those touches. He had 58 yards, a score that was a better yards per carry average than Todd Gurley. And we just haven't seen Todd Gurley in that bell cow workload. A lot of people assumed he would take as it stands. 
Todd Gurley's been trending down as far as usage. Brian Hill has been trending upward. I'm not too excited about Gurley. I would rather take the pass catching options. I think I'd rather have James White straight up. Wow. Okay. That's that, that might be a hot take. A, I don't know. It's at least worth discussing, though. Yeah, it's a bold call for sure. Uh I like Gurley probably a little bit more than you do because I do think that this Green Bay uh, run defense has some serious holes in it. But I also it, – it's going to be tough because I, I, I imagine how much Ryan I'm going to have and how much Ridley and Julio with those dirt cheap price points. I, I'm not really interested in throwing Todd Gurley into the mix in those same lineups. So uh, I'll probably mix it up. But I don't have any faith that he's involved as a pass catcher here. Uh, and that just makes things a little bit less enticing. All right, hit on some player press before we head out. Remember, Monday morning quarterbacks coming out next. Josh Engelman, Adam Scherer, myself, Dave Lochran are going to break everything down from you for week four from a lineup uh, study, lineup rewind standpoint, uh, show you what won, what worked, what didn't work, and with some lessons and suggestions for the upcoming week. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know already, all of our shows are available in podcast form on our podcast network. You can find it on any platform that actually hosts podcasts the Awesome Podcasts are there. If you don't feel like going to YouTube one day, maybe you're driving and this makes it easier. They're all right there. So be sure to check them out. All right, Matt. Uh, oddshopper.awesomeo.com is the place to go to shop odds. It's amazing. I promise you'll love it. It's entirely free. And they're giving away, all of these books are just giving away free money right now to get people to sign up. So make, make that an, an objective, a priority to head over there. Uh, and get in on some of these great opportunities, like $500 free bets and huge deposit bonuses. But I love Odd Shopper because you have a bet tracker, you have a watch list, you can search player props by name, which is way better than all of these other sites. Uh, and you can shop from all of these different books. We don't have a ton because of Devontae Adams and the Cam Newton stuff. Uh, so there's only a few props right now that are actually out there. So I'll give one and then you give one and we'll wrap this up and call it a day. Uh, I'm going to go, Matt, with with Kelsey over 67 and a half receiving yards, minus 112. Uh, 67 and a half is, is kind of lofty, but I do think that the Patriots will do what they can to bracket Tyreek Hill. That, doesn't, that isn't to say I think they're going to shut him down, but I think Kelsey in the middle of the field can absolutely dominate this Patriots defense. So over 67 and a half is one that, that I'm willing to, to get to. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, I mean, a 24% target share. I'd be willing to bet on that one too. I think he eclipses that most of the time. One I like, Clyde Edwards Slayer, 26 and a half receiving yards. That is minus 124. Clyde Edwards Slayer in back to back games, eight targets, six targets. He's running around on 62% of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks. I think even in positive game script, he's still involved in that facet of the game. That'd be my favorite prop. Love it. Both of them. And pay attention throughout the day. We should get some New England and, and Green Bay props which will make things a, uh, a little bit more interesting. Check it out at oddshopper.awesomeo.com. I'm telling you, you guys are going to like it. It's super smooth, it's clean, uh, and it's really easy to navigate. Thanks for hanging out. As always, guys, stick around. Coming up next in just a few minutes, it's the Strategy Show, Monday Morning Quarterback Edition. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. We appreciate all the support. Good luck tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the NFL Strategy Show. <laughs>